Welcome back to another episode of the HMG Podcast. My name's Gorchin. We've just finished Southern Thrust, which is a two-day, four-round event here in Albany. This is in the in the south part of Western Australia. It's much longer than a 45-minute drive, as Dan and Jacob would have led our viewers uh, incorrectly to believe after they, they were hosted of views and podcasts. Um, this has been the first two-day tournament I've ever attended. Uh, it's also my first time down to Albany, so this has been a hell of an experience for me. I've got uh, John Gill here, uh, who ran the event for us. I've got to say, Gilly, it was a stellar event. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Gorchin. Um, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to put this on for the for the community. Yeah, it's it's been great, and I think I think one of the hallmarks of of our tight knit bolt action community is that is that between the rounds. Uh, over, overnight, you basically invited everybody to barbecue over your place, which I think sets a new standard for all, all TOs here, not just in WA, but I think for Australia. So thanks again for doing that for us. We're doing our best to level up, mate. Um, the, the, you know, the, the events that you guys put on with Skulls, uh, with Justin and, and Dan, they're just um, absolutely fantastic. They're great for the community, and we've always loved and feeling included when we come up there from Albany. And it's just great to... I really wanted to give back to the community. I wanted to expose the guys in Albany to the wider, um, you know, WA player base. And that was, uh, you know, let's put on an event, get the guys down. And uh, that's what we did. And it's been great. And I think that's a, that's a great bit of advice for any TO. And, and, and thanks, thanks for letting us know that you're feeling welcome. Is that build it and they will come. I think that's a... It's just, it's just great advice all around. So... The first event that you've run, um, yep. what, what did you think? How was it being a TL? How was it sort of keeping all of the gears greased? Did everything sort of go to plan in the end? I feel like it did. Yeah. In the end, I feel like it did. It was a bit nerve-wracking. Um, and, and, you know, all new experiences are, can be a bit like that. Yeah. Um, but it was it was really good. And the, the, the beauty of, of Bolt Action Community in WA is they will get behind an event. Um, I, you know, I put it out there to the community... Uh, maybe three months ago at the last Skulls that we wanted to run an event in um, in Albany in, in July. We changed the date a couple of times, which, um, you know, probably could have thrown a, a spanner in the works, but, you know, the community dealt with it. They were good, and they, yeah. they still got behind us, and they still turned up, you know. Yeah. Lucky that we put it in the middle of school holidays, which yeah, yeah. has turned out really well. Um, but, yeah, there's, there, there you go. Yeah, fantastic. So for, for those of you following along at home, it was a... 888-point event. Uh, we had one platoon to choose from. Theatre selectors were allowed. Armoured platoons were allowed as well. I was wondering if you sort of give everybody a taste of, of what lists sort of came and went and, and what you sort of expected versus what, what caught you by surprise. Yep, so um, we put it out to the community exactly as you said. Um, it was a kind of gloves-off gloves event, which... Yeah. Maybe not the best thing for, for the new guys in the community, but I mean, our guys have played a few games um, and it was up to your choice what you wanted to bring. I put it out there that we'd get, we would get additional VPs um, based on your list build. So that was a bit of an incentive yeah. to perhaps, while we took the gloves off and you could bring what you liked, the incentive was there to take the things that aren't always taken in a normal bolt action list. We wanted to uh, embrace the first LT, so we offered a victory point per round for a first LT. Um, we offered a victory point per round if you took a full-size squad because normally, you know, you get around that seven to eight man for yeah, a perfect-size yeah. squad. And um, the third one was... Uh, veterancy. So. She was, I should know these things. <laughs> a list that took all the same veterancy yeah. would be awarded one VP per round. Um, just about everybody took that on board. I think out of the 
18 players. We had eight players take um, full veterancy, um, so that's half the yeah. half the the player base. 75 percent of players took a took a first LT, and 85 percent of players took a full strength squad. So you know you're looking at 14 yeah. or 15 guys taking their full strength squad. It was good to see those numbers up, um, and. Uh, I chose 888 points because I love 88. Just like you're taking uh, 101st all the way and 82nd yeah. 82nd yeah. or airborne all the way for your yeah. event. Um, it was kind of along those lines. Yeah. Um, we had, I think we had four Soviet lists, four US lists, um, four German lists. Okay. Um, and then a smattering of a couple of British lists, uh, a Finnish, a Hungarian, a Japanese... Um, nice spread of the minor nations there. Yeah, absolutely. It was good for the variety, and that's great. Yeah, great. it was. Uh, and and you did the the structure a little bit differently as well. Normally we do Axis and Allies, mm. and this time around it was full Swiss pairings. How do you think that went? So I chose to do uh, Swiss pairings because I thought that um, while a few matchups might be rough early on, um, yep. once once the um, Swiss pairing takes over, like later on in the event yeah. day two, guys would be playing guys. Uh, of the same skill level, yeah, and yeah. It, then it just allowed the kind of benefit of those guys who were taking gloves off and taking you know far left or far right lists could kind of um, be playing guys that would be able to handle it the same skill level, and yeah. it would be a more balanced game. And I feel like day two today, I didn't see anybody not smiling. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps on the top tables were a little bit nerve-wracking at times, but um, everybody loved it and embraced it. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic format. I think it was it was a bit of a breath of fresh air for me as a player on two different counts. One, having only having to play two rounds in a day was was nice. Mm. Not having to squeeze that third one in, and and the fatigue really starts to set in on that third round, particularly at least for myself, I find. And another thing that was was refreshing, or perhaps telling is that two out of four of my games were against soviet players <laughs> and so going up against you know blue on blue is typically avoided but but going up against soviets and be like i don't have no idea how they work i've never had to come across them yep. uh, uh, and you know we normally do access and allies so, so there, there was an imbalance in the lists i think yeah. there was about seven um access forces yeah um including we- the ringer and there was uh, 10... Or 11 or whatever left yep, over. 10 yep, or, yep, yep, yep. Uh, allied forces. So it was kind of a little unavoidable. We were going to have a bit of blue on blue anyway. Of course. Um, and, but that played into the Swiss pairing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you, you ended up playing whoever you were you know, meant to play. And so one of the things that, that surprised me, I think as much as it surprised you as well, was that nobody took an armoured platoon. Do you, do you think, like, why do you think that is? I don't know. I was really... <laughs> I was, I'm a fan of armoured platoons. And if I can somehow squeeze an armour platoon in a generic rear and floor selector, uh, I will. So if I can take enough armour, and they're yeah. the, they're the yeah. list I like to search for, um, that's what I go for. I was a bit disappointed, um, and I think they might have done really well. Yeah. But everybody took enough anti-tank to kind of um, take on an armour platoon if they saw one, yeah, but okay. nobody chose to. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say that, because uh, so I took two Shermans in my list, uh, again, for the people playing at home. I took the Bloody God selector, two squads at 12, uh, two squads of six, a first lieutenant, light howitzer, and two two mainline Shermans. The, there was a couple of kickers in the list that didn't really apply. The main one was that my Shermans had to either be in reserve or in first wave. They couldn't they couldn't start on the table uh, regardless of what the scenario allowed. And so that was that was 
painful for a couple of games. Yeah, even even with the radios, there was a few reserve rolls where I was like, man, I need a Sherman right now. Did you have any get delayed? Uh, I did. I did both games where they had, had him in reserve. One of them failed a reserve roll. So yeah. rather than having both of them roll on turn two and save the day, just like in Bloody Gulch, I had one roll on turn two and one roll on turn three, which was, which was okay, but... Yeah, convoys aren't anywhere nearly as, as, as impressive as a wedge just, just being driven through the forces. But I found most only had kind of one kind of good anti-tank weapon, which would have been either a medium howitzer or something like that. I don't think I came across any other medium tanks. I came across a Stuart. Although that being said, when I came across Dan in round two, he had, I think, three anti-tank rifle teams, two of the forward deploying Soviet teams with uh, Panzerfausts, uh, I, his Katusha ended up deleting one of my Shermans, which was extremely frustrating. But I, aside from that, I didn't come across a lot of lot of anti tank. So I think if if somebody had really knuckled down on that armored platoon, maybe not gone past armor values eight, yep. um, I think they would have really dished out a lot of damage. Well, another part of um, you know kind of limiting the points at 888 and having an open slather you know gloves yeah, off yeah. take what you like I thought look we really can't fit that many dice in there. No. I'm not going to put a dice yeah, cap yeah. down because nobody's going to bring that many dice we had a 15 order dice list we had a 17 order dice list and some guy took a 20 order <laughs> dice order list uh, you know that's incredible numbers yeah, I really didn't yeah. expect that and the guys played through the games and were finishing games with yeah. 20 dice yeah. now I guess our community in Albany is a bit younger, um, yeah. a bit fresher. So, you know, we'll take half that number and just kind of struggle to finish yeah. a game. But I guess now that's that was good exposure for our guys to have the, the guys from Perth show us how you can finish, you know, a twin, you know, a game with 20 order dice in the time limit. Well yeah. in the time limit yeah, too. Yeah, Some of you yeah. guys were finishing games in an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. Really impressive to watch. <laughs> really impressive. <laughs> I think it, it, it goes to show that um, bolt action as a system is a fast game. And if you can make decisions quickly, you can play the game very quickly. So the game that I had against Dan was 28 dice in the bag. Wow. My 8 versus his 20. I think he had 20 and some change. It was near on 30 dice. And we got to the end of turn 5, I think in the one and a half hour or the, or the two hour time slot or whatever whatever it was for the round. Yeah. And that goes to show you that you know, a lot of people say that you go to 12 because then the games can't run over time and all the other sorts of things. It's like, yeah, it helps, but ultimately it, it, a lot of it comes down to the players. Know yeah. your rules, um, play them fast, and know where to find the rules as well, which admittedly doesn't help. We know that the rule book's a bit of a jumble um, and things aren't really where, where they feel like they ought to be on, on first or 15th reading. Yeah. But yeah, it, get familiarized yourself, know your forces rules, um, and know the core rule book. That's that's kind of the only two things that one player needs to know. If you know other factions, that's great, but yes. it's it's not not mandatory. Uh, the best thing I think you can do is, is come to the table and be like, "What's your list? How does it work?" And of course, they don't have to tell you all the all the tricks and secrets and strategies, but they can be like, "What special rules have you got? Yep. Um, what are what are some things I need to keep in mind?" And or you go, "Hey, I've never played Japanese. What are their national rules and that sort of thing?" So, yeah, I think if you if you can get all of that. Uh, I made it sound like a short list, but if you can get if you can get <laughs> familiar with it uh, over the course of a couple of games and a couple of tournaments, it's it's a very fast game to play, and I think yep. that really showed this weekend. Another the reason to have like a lower um, 
not a dice cap, but a points limit, yeah. is to get through those games, finish yeah, those yeah, games yeah. off. And to the credit of the players, everybody got in, played their games, and nearly all the games were finished across yeah. the weekend. Even with the guys who are a little less experienced, yeah. they yeah. were getting their games to turn six. Yeah, and, perfect. Uh, which was great to see. I think over the four rounds, I only heard you say dice down once. <laughs> I think so. I think so. <laughs> which, is, which is great. That's exactly how you want the tournament to run. It means your players are taking it seriously. They're here to play. Uh, but not, not too seriously. I think, as you said, there was... I think there was a couple of sour faces across the weekend. One was definitely mine in round two because I didn't really get to use my force. <laughs> I think out of uh, out of an eight dice list, I failed four order checks every round. Yes. Uh, so that was horrifyingly frustrating. And then when I did get to use them, I was rolling a lot of ones. But you take it in stride. You win some, you lose some. I think if we're talking about sour faces, like so to get 20 order dice, you need to take an inexperienced list. Yeah. And we did end up with three fully inexperienced lists. Yeah, um, wow. Obviously, taking the full inexperienced list to capitalise on the VPs um, for pre-game yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, list selection. And, you know, those guys, when we're having uh, missions that involve reserves, oh, uh, yeah. as we know, inexperienced guys just aren't the most reliable for bringing them onto the table. And I think there was one player in particular that suffered in multiple games um, having trucks with two different units oh, yes. in them, yeah. not being able to come onto the table. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard about that. I walked over to it and I was like, man, I am so sorry that, that happened. <laughs> I heard about it, I think it was two rounds after the fact. And I, was just, I, just, I just stopped. I just put my order dice down, walked over, and I was like, oh my God, I am so sorry. <laughs> I think I think he was down 350 points that game. He lost the... They all died in reserve. He took it with an absolute smile on his face. Though, yeah, he? yeah, like, uh, yeah. After the sour face had gone, it was like, <laughs> yeah, this is how the day's going to be. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's, that's one of the things I really like about the bolt action communities. These things are frustrating, and I think it would be naive or or disingenuous to say that it doesn't affect you but it's just not about like carrying on about it be like ah oh, that's really frustrating or that that's really irritating but it's not your opponent's fault you, know, you don't take it down to them you don't take it out of them you just go yeah i'm gonna be a little bit quiet about it while i process that for a little while but yeah you just you just leave it at the table and i think that the community is really great at doing that and that's right i had a um my opponents had some frustrating great games round three and four i had some really hot dice round three my opponent had some very cold dice round four and, and both of them took it in stride so that was really great to see is this is your plan for this event to continue i hope so yeah. um it, absolutely um i think this was the 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 first in a in a few years of, of good tournament offerings from albany um it was uh what's the word for a for a first year tournament inaugural inaugural event Thank you. Um, and I think my plan is to get a trophy, a perpetual trophy. It's just something that didn't happen yeah, yeah. Um, prior to this event because we were busy. This being our first event, we were flat out. One of the things we really wanted to capitalise... Okay, so I'll go back to the start. Um, <laughs> Tell us a story about Southern Thrust. To attract guys to come to Albany. So my focus um, was to get, to get our guys in Albany exposed to the wider community. I thought... How do I achieve that? Three things I need to do um, to get guys from Perth to come down. Let them take what they want to do. Um, provide the most fantastic um, terrain that I can get my hands on. And third one is lots of prize support. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and, must, and must I say, as a player who drove from Perth, I think you delivered on all three perfectly. Thank you very much. We, that This was our mission. Um, now, we've talked about lists, so um, yeah. let take, people take what they want, and, and they did, largely. Um, there was still a bit of self-regulation in the community, yeah. Yeah. which was really, really good <laughs> to see. I mean, that, that just speaks for the community itself. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, there's been I've heard podcasts that say you know it's it's always gloves off and that's how you play. But and they always also commented that sometimes the Australian bolt action community, even the wider community, yeah. is self regulating. And I think yeah, yeah. I think it speaks true to I've that. I've heard that too. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we had um, let them run, run that one. So tables of terrain. Um, I put four tables of my own down. We had a couple of local community members who have, have seen what we've been doing and wanted to get involved because um, we really do get in, immersed in the, yeah, in the yeah. almost scale modelling side of things. You uh, know, like the the the, the 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 quality of the terrain and not just the the top end, but also just just the base standard of terrain was exceptional in this event. Um, and I know I know we say that a lot about. Uh, our events here in WA in Perth, but I really feel like this one was that just that notch above from Absolutely. what we've seen before. And I've got to thank I have to I have to name drop straight away. Absolutely, Lev, Lev Vikapal had had done all of the buildings for for the four tables that I put down. His standard of of craft of what he does, yeah, um, in twenty eight mil twenty eight mil scale scale wargaming is just is just fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. beyond and above. And he's got a reputation. Um, I, I think he does commissions even over yeah. on the East Coast. He's he's so good at what he does. Um, I thank him so much. Um, he was great. He was also the donor of one of the most beautiful pieces of prize support. He, he uh, built, painted a Italian-themed church for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, it was really popular. And being able to advertise for an event um, post up on Facebook that we've got this beautiful piece of train available is is the things that gets guys flicking for a prize place. for a prize yeah yeah um, which he donated um, oh wow out of yeah out yeah. of the kindness yeah, of yeah. I mean look uh, we've bought a fair bit off Lev so you know it wasn't it wasn't hard to reach out to him and say look help us out Lev. yeah 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 but he also didn't need to do that either absolutely not no, no yeah. there's, there's no need for that but yeah he's a great guy. Great guy. He's always around the community. So, um, yeah, I want to say thank you to him. Um, speaking of sponsors, like there was a number of sponsors that yeah. just came out of the woodworks for us. Um, Andy Lawson, a little surprise there from him. Um, you know, he'd mentioned to us that he was just going to send a little something down. Um, he sent a beautiful uh, train set down, printed, painted, just amazing, like six foot of rail and tracks, <laughs> all ready to go. I mean, that, That's Andy for you. <laughs> unreal guy. And that's community again isn't it yeah it is it just yeah. is i'll keep saying it because i'm i'm gobsmacked every time yeah um got other game systems that just don't have what we have and i don't know whether it's uh there's a lot a large lot of older guys in the community yeah um that are just mellowed out a bit or, or whatever <laughs> but we all love what we do yeah everybody wants to, to pull their part and do their things we also had sponsors so we also had rubicon miniatures come on board um, fantastic they sent us some yeah. vouchers um Leadbear Tufts, we know... Barry you know, strikes Barry, again. <laughs> absolutely, we know Barry. He's out of South Australia? I think so, yeah, yeah. You'd think he was in WA, the uh, mount he supports us, I right? Know, I know, uh, And the most generous of guys. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we had Geek Villain come on board to give us a big discount voucher. Yeah, um, I just got my some, hands on my Geek Villain mat. It's a, it's a beauty. They are amazing. We run Geek Villain over, over half our tables. Six or seven of our tables had um, Geek Villain mats fantastic quality you can put stuff underneath them and yeah. go that next level instead of having a you know a level table yeah, yeah. you can put hills in there and stuff they're, they're really great um, we had our steins that we love to give out um, they use them at Skulls as well yeah. from Lizard Kitty just yep. a, a small um, business out of home that uh, makes steins and you know tablecloths and stickers well she did uh, CJ did up all the stickers for Southern Thrust because I want to get the advertising out yeah, there for future absolutely, events absolutely yeah put one of these on your cards guys <laughs> um, I 
think that wraps it up. There was some other there was some other donated terrain. One of the local guys actually crafted some. Um, he's a carpenter by trade. He uh, handcrafted some biros with yeah. a, a bullet on the end. You know, like it, look a bullet style looking biro and, the, the and a bolt action, bolt action, and, action. Yeah, a, a bolt action action for the pen. <laughs> they are amazing quality. They were yeah. so fantastic. They were pretty popular. So yeah. Um, uh, is that what you ended up? Yeah, with? absolutely. I, I I saw the smattering on the table, and I was like, I think I, I couldn't argue with the, with the quality of the church and and the uh, obviously the the train piece and and all of the vouchers as, as well. But I felt like I wanted something that was I don't know if unique is the right word, but something that was a little bit different. Because mm. I will always I'll always get more miniatures, and I'll always need more terrain and that sort of thing. And, and that's going to be something that that you know if i'm lucky enough and i get more prizes at future events that's kind of always going to be on offer yes you'd, you'd expect that and i thought like how often do you get a chance to get a handcrafted pen yes right and i was like never this is this is something that's never going to come up again and i know that, that with that and i was also lucky enough to, to win the stein as well I, I was like, these are these are two things that I'm going to go, I'm not going to get this anywhere else. And it's going to be such a great way to, to remember the, the event and the weekend. And it's even even if it continues on, uh, as we all expect and we all hope, and we'll all be here every year to follow on. And, and as it continues on, and, and maybe those pens will come back, I have no doubt. But, but looking at that, is, I know that it's like, this is a pen handcrafted that I got from the first time this event was run. And I think something like that is is going to be a more unique and that's going to be at the very least it's going to be my tournament pen every time I come to a tournament I'm going to have my bolt action pen <laughs> and I'm going to use it to fill out score sheets yep excellent man that's what we like to hear yeah um, what else can we say tell me about your day Gorchen. Uh tell me about your event did you uh, did you enjoy the event um, I mean we spoke about terrain it was it was amazing I'm sure you enjoy- I, you know what I'd really like to know from the players I asked them after the event to, to provide me feedback if they had any I'd like to know if the tables were playable on top of, you know, looking good. Because it's good to have a great-looking table. Yep. I have serious concerns about when that table sometimes is either too cluttered or just, just too hard to yeah. actually, you know, enact the mechanics of bolt action. How yep. did you find them? I found most of them were really good. Uh, so I played uh, naturally played four rounds. The first, I'm trying to remember, the, the first one that I played on was, was, I think it was the European town with the bridge and the river. That one was really good. Mm. Um, one of the things I'm finding, just the way that obstacles work in particular, unbroken big boxed sections of fences yep. can be real slaughter pens. Yep. Um, so that happened in the first game. Like it wasn't, it didn't come down to the fact that there was a big box of a, of a fence like fenced off area but it didn't help the situation yep uh, and then you know just the way that obstacles work who can cross them who can't you can't run over them and, and think you have to advance and all those sorts of things really came into play um, in that particular scenario especially because the, the missions that we played we played uh, a lot of the Bolt Action Alliance missions which was fantastic we got to play Kitty Hawk Down for round 3 yeah uh, which was really good uh, so we did, um, I forget what the first one's called, Frontal Assault, Punch Through, Kitty Hawk Down, and then we played Demolition, yes. uh, the rule book. Yeah. You got it. Uh, <laughs> I've, it's, it's the thing about players' packs is that T.O. writes them once and then never has to read them, and a player has to read them 15 times. <laughs> I think I'm guilty of that. I think I wrote them, you know, you write these things three months in advance. Yeah. And yeah. I got so tied up with building terrain and making sure that prize support was there that I didn't actually you know, spend... running and managing the event. Yeah. I did. And then, you know, you've got to freshen up 
up on the rules for, for yeah, any yeah. TO decisions you've got to make. And I'm just not sure that I really had a good read of the, t- the players' pack. So yeah. a couple of times, I, did, I have to admit, I got caught out. Yeah. Um, decisions were made right, and uh, I think we yeah. did all right for, for that. But uh, Well, that's ultimately why I have the TO, is that any time it comes down, it goes, because, yeah, okay, that's not what I wrote in the players' pack, but this is what I meant. And then that yeah, can be cleared up really quickly. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think there was there was two games where that sort of slaughter pen really came in. Yep. One was the first game. It was it worked for me because I could park my Shermans outside the slaughter pen and I had free fire zones. And then the flip side of that is I was up against a mounted, uh, basically a mechanized platoon. Everybody in sort of armored transports and armored cars. Yep. But they were all wheeled, so they couldn't cross the obstacles. And so my, so we were playing demolition. I put my base inside a big metal stone wall fence. Yes. Uh, that covered maybe about two thirds of the board, and then I just all I had to do was defend the gates ah, that were yes. in my deployment zone. Yeah. And so that made it easier. And then of course, um, my opponent there was a there was a road that ran almost the length of the the short end that was going to that was pointed at my opponent's uh, base yep. for demolition. He parked a Ziz three in front of it. In, during deployment and I just looked him dead in the eye and went okay so we're not playing demolition today because <laughs> I am not going anywhere near that uh, and so and so I just I just played defensively for kill points and I think I think those you know we talk about the usual stuff not having a, an unbroken road going end to end uh, and I think I think it was it was just particularly those those slaughter pens that, that really came into it and I think it's also one of those um, like if you know the rules really well, you know how to handle that a little bit better. And I yeah. think it's just that that obstacle advance run interaction is not something that people come across a lot. And I think it's just because people don't do unbroken fences. I don't think it's intentional. I think a lot of people just don't have enough fence. Yep, yep. <laughs> I think it's usually just what it comes down to. But I think aside from that, uh, it, it was a small gripe. As I said, I don't think it decided games. No way. It made my demolition game easier, but... My opponent had some really poor dice. Um, he failed. Sorry, he got... We're only counting wounding rolls. He got 22 ones. Wow. Trying to wound my guys. And that would have been... I mean, I only have 36 GIs in, in the entire platoon. And he was obviously wounding around those ones. But that those 22 on any other number would have, would have hurt. That's yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. That, you know, those sort of specific sort of terrain feedback... Is, is is not really here or there. I think one other thing that caught a lot of people out was round two. I forget what the missions I forget which one exactly it is, but it's the it's a bolt action lines one where you play in the Frontal diagonals. Assault. You've got it. Yep. Yep. That one, the way that the objectives work, um, puts a massive advantage in the defender. Absolutely does. Uh, so so for those who aren't familiar with it is is there's three objectives. Two of them go into the defender's deployment zone. I'm just going to give the broad strokes. Yeah. Two of them go into deployment zone. One of them goes into a no man's land that runs diagonally across the, the two long corners. The defender's objectives start in the defender's control. And the way you take control of an objective is by having your unit within three inches of it and no enemy unit within three inches of it. And then it flips and it stays flipped until the opposite happens. And so that means that really all that the defender has to do is is leave a unit within three inches of either objectives by the end of the game. That's all that they need to do. Yep. Ideally both. Because um, trying to contest that third one in the middle, I think you have to have a very good reason to do that and a very particular list to make that work. Just hold your two objectives, let them come. 
And that's exactly what I did against Dan. And, and also, he had a massive inexperienced list with shirkers. And I was like, my friend, you can assault. Because <laughs> if, if I give you the defense, that's a lot of units I have to churn through. To, and, you know, if a shirker goes down in defense, it's, it's no problem because he's still going to be harder to hit. Yes. But it's like, if a shirker goes down while he's trying to assault or move towards an objective, take ground, yeah, that's going to be a problem for him. So that, that worked in my favor, but... Yeah, I, I think that that game really just came down to the fact that I think it would have been a draw if Dan got to activate a few more of his shirkers, and it would have been a win uh, if if a couple more things went his way. Yeah, and I think the only reason I managed to win that game was was basically because he had shirkers, and I managed to hold on to a few key units in a few key places. You've picked up on the, I think, the part where the defender is at a, an advantage. Yeah. Um, it's tricky running a f- attacker-defender scenarios yeah, yeah. in tournaments. And I really thought that the, uh, you know, after a bit of uh, community feedback on prep, prep bombardment, yeah. preliminary bombardment, <laughs> um, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it in there. And yeah. because that's on that mission, um, it's kind of, you know, people might get false sense of security yeah. that choosing yeah. the attacker is a, is a good you know, role to play yeah. or side to choose. It definitely caught a lot of players out, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think the guys who have played the mission before might have learnt that, that being the defender is, is definitely the better choice. I knew it beforehand. Yeah, yeah. But um, I really enjoy playing that mission. We've, yeah. we've, you know, a lot of our gameplay in Albany is thematic, so yeah, we'll, we're not afraid to do those missions. It's just a favourite one that I have to play. And I like the deployment map. It's yeah, different. Yeah, it's not yeah. straight across the table. It's on a, it's on a bit of a 45 um, you've got a larger side and a, a thin side of the board, so it was. It, it offers something a bit different for the players. Yeah, it does. It does. I don't. I don't think it was a quote unquote poor choice for the t- tournament. I think it's really great to see the Bolt Action Alliance missions played more. I think they're really fun. As I said, I'm a big fan of Kitty Hawk Down because a plane crashes in the middle of the game, <laughs> uh, which is a really hard thing to not enjoy. Is is getting units deleted by by aircraft that land in the middle of the field, and and that that's that's yeah. Uh, I think. You know, when we talk about sort of frontal assault, I would say that all you would really need to do is 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 swap the objectives. So the defender starts with one, and there's two in the middle, and I think then it would be a bit more. I don't know. If fair is the right word, but I think the the starting point would be would be more level. Yeah, I think. I think so. Yeah, I think if you if you need like a lot of things went really well for Dan. His Katusha fired twice, and both times hit two units, and and like. How many more times do things need to go your way and you still lose for you to go, ooh, maybe we need to change something here. Absolutely. And, and I think, and that's having only played the mission, I think, a total of three times and once was today. I'm not super confident that it quote unquote needs to be fixed. I'm fairly certain that, that the Bolt Action Line guys have play tested that mission 15 times more than I have. Uh, and, uh, and I trust that, that pack as well. But I think, yeah, it's really great that, that we're getting them, them added and that they're yeah. getting played. I think that was. That was one of the things I found surprisingly difficult writing my players pack for Banded Brothers was mission selection. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I guess my, my ultimate wrap-up for this event was if, if Banded Brothers can be, as uh, the event that I'm running at the end of July, can be a quarter of, of a success that this event was and enjoyable for the players as it was for me, then then uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm laughing. So, Man, that's, well that's, done to you. That's great words. And look, when everybody claps for you at the end of the, an event, mate, you feel you, you get the warm fuzzies inside, yeah, don't, don't you, really? Yeah, um, yeah. And that's made it all worth it and certainly given me some motivation to repeat it again next year. Um, and the fact that, you know, when you get registered, 18 registered players and they all turn up, 
or 17 registered yeah, players. Yeah, they yeah. all turn up, counting the Gumby as well. Uh, the yeah, yeah, ringer. Feeling the ringer. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, been an absolute success. Biggest, probably the biggest event we've had in Albany outside of a you know a Warhammer yeah, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's the biggest thing we've seen in Albany. So it was a blast. Yeah, well done, Gilly. I Thanks. Think- Yeah, I think there's nothing more to be said. Well done, Southern Thrust. We'll be back next year, hopefully. Thanks for coming down, Gorton. Cheers, thank you.